Well, hello, this is Tim Marr, and this is Failing Up. Thank you, thank you, Jungle Jim. What a wonderful, wonderful introduction by that talented musical director, Jungle Jim, providing the music for this podcast called Failing Up, recording from the bowels of the home located on the shores of the Seneca River, feeding out into the mighty Lake Ontario. Ooh, mighty Lake Ontario. Soon the winds of November will be upon us on the Lake Ontario. Always reminds me of that song, the Edmund Fitzgerald, the ill-fated freighter ship that uh, sunk in the Great Lakes um, about 50 years ago, I think, mid-1970s. The Edmund Fitzgerald, Gordon Lightfoot, feeding into the mighty Lake Ontario, then all the way to the St. Lawrence Seaway, up into the Atlantic Ocean, out around the world, just like my voice. And then, of course, if you make a left-hand turn, you're going to find yourself in one of my favorite cities and countries, Toronto, Canada. They go a little south, and you'll find another beautiful city with a fantastic football team right now, and that's Buffalo and those Buffalo Bills. What a season the Buffalo Bills. Speaking of football, what a great week for the Green Bay Packers, who defeated the St. Louis, not the St. Louis. Wow. That's old school. It was the St. Louis Cardinals, and then it was the, um, uh, what was it? St. Louis Cardinals, and then it went somewhere else, and then they became the uh, the Arizona Cardinals. But the Arizona, oh, they were the uh, Arizona Cardinals then um, are now, uh, were first place Thursday. I'm all mixed up. It was the St. Louis Rams. So you had the St. Louis Cardinals, which became the Arizona Cardinals, and then you had the Los Angeles Rams that somehow became the St. Louis Rams, which are now again the Los Angeles. Never mind, it's a mess. I can't figure it out. All I know is the Packers won. I'm happy about that. Oh, Halloween is in the air as we as we close out October. The great I love this time of October, right towards the end of the month in the Northeast when the leaves are, you know, they're all pretty much turned. There's some green hanging on there, and the leaves are, you know, the trees are barren, and you get those. That great silhouette look at night with these orange, orange uh, October sunsets, um, vibrant, you know, illuminating moon and these trees, you know, silhouetting with with fuckles of leaves still on there. And the ground just covered in leaves, which have to be raked, mind you, but the ground is just covered in leaves. And you hear the rustling of leaves as you walk around and the crisp autumn air blowing, blowing on and knowing that uh, winter's... Winter's gentle touch will soon be upon our shoulders. Winter's cold touch will soon be upon our shoulders. And and many of the parts and animals in the Northeast will go to sleep. And they'll wake up again in a beautiful spring. Beautiful time of Halloween. What an exciting time. All Hallow's Eve. Halloween, you know, and uh, fun and mischief and little ghosts and goblins and witches and whatever's the popular uh, costume of the day will be walking around. They still trick or treat. You know, they still trick or treat. Even in COVID, they know uh, some individuals went out and trick or treated. And um, great, you know, great holiday. You, you kind of process through the holiday. There's the innocent years of being a little kid trick or treating, and there's the, in my case, the adolescent years where you go out and you raise a little hell. And then uh, there's the adult years where you go out and you um, try to still raise a little hell, but in a different way. Halloween, Hall Hallows Eve. What a great what a great fun time and kind of the kickoff to the big holiday season because they just kind of expand. Now you have Halloween and then you have Thanksgiving and then you have Christmas, New Year's, and this huge hangover in July and uh, the holiday hangover, not necessarily a hangover, but the holiday hangover. And then you just all kick it back in again come spring. The cycle of celebration. The cycle of celebration. Whoa, man. 
Isn't that something? Isn't that something? But now, but it's a beautiful, it's a, it's a crispy, rainy, foggy autumn day up here in the Northeast. So wherever you are in the in the world, uh, taking in my voice today. Hope you're having a, or when you're uploading this, or uh, downloading, or just loading, whatever you do with this thing. Hope you're having a wonderful, wonderful time um, enjoying this time of year. No matter what the climate is, where you are, um, it's really just important that you uh, are able to get the most out of today or whatever you're doing. Talking in circles, a little Diet Coke to get me going. Ah, this show is brought to you by Diet Coke, caffeine in a bottle. Bam! Although it's a can. You know, uh, I've spent a lot of time. Let me tell you something. Let me, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something, little boy. Sit on my lap. I'm going to tell you a story. I spent a lot of time um, either in roles of building teams and organizations or um, going into organizations and help them better understand how they communicate. A lot of ways using, um, whoa, did you hear that? A lot of ways um, using um, improvisation techniques. <clears throat> but all these organizations, what they're really interested in is finding ways many ways is to how do we bring creativity into our organization individuals sometimes say, how do i become creative what's the creative process and there's that big cliche you know how do we think outside the box we have to think outside of the box how do we think outside of the box um so corporate you know uh looking to think outside of the box create a creative environment People make a lot of money uh, going into places and organizations and trying to have them become creative, you know, creative. And I would say to that, if how did you get in the box? When do we get in the box? And at what point in our life, or it used to be, do we end up, do we get in this box that we have to get out of all of a sudden when we get older? And um, at least in some cases, at least in my case, it goes back to when when you're young. And I remember, you know, I grew up in an era where where you had coloring books, and I'm sure they still have art classes where you color, and it was really considered an achievement if you could color within the lines. If you could keep your drawing and your colors within the designated lines, no matter what the the pre-drawn picture was. Oh, wow, what a great, what a talent. You're able to keep your colors perfectly in the lines. I would argue that you should have your colors all over the page and not even and then try to obliterate the lines. That's what I would say is allowing a young individual, a young child to start to appreciate um, being creative and start to appreciate being open-minded. A good friend of mine, the artist Warren Kimball, once said to me, he said, it's horrible what they do in art school. It's horrible that they teach these kids to just draw within the lines and not allow them to be loose. If you've ever seen an artist really draw or paint, or really sketch, they sketch fast and their hands are loose. And so to, 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 to stifle individuals and say, you know, make, please keep, you know, within the lines. Please keep your colors within the lines. And, and you'll be, and you're really good. And, and that lesson is, you know, please keep everything within the lines. Keep it within the lines. Keep it pretty. Keep it the right colors. Keep it just the way we want it. And keep it within the lines. And you know what? You're going to be okay. And you know what? It's pretty darn boring. 
Then you get to a point where you've kept it in the lines your whole life. You know, you've drawn within the lines. You have the, the perfect shading of whatever color it is. And, you know, you got the, your whole life is within the lines, you know, and the whole society that you're a part of is within the lines, you know. Then all of a sudden somebody comes along and says, well, you know what? We got to think outside this box we put you in. Who's we and why did you create this box? Now we got to think outside the box because to really be successful and to really move forward, we got to think outside the box. So all of a sudden we got to color outside the lines. Oh my God, how do I color outside the lines? Hmm. Let's think within the lines. Let's think within the lines to figure out how to color outside of the lines. So let's use our innate uh, conditioning of processes to figure out, hmm, well, if we do A, B, C, and D, then we'll be able to probably think outside the lines. You think so? Uh, <laughs> and, and we've created within the lines, within the lines of the mores of society. Wow, that's pretty deep. That, 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 I'm going to tell you right now, that is deep. That's a deep sentence. Within the lines of the mores of whatever I said just now. That was deep. About as deep as a shallow end of a pool. But all of a sudden, you know, you're thinking within the lines, and then all of a sudden, uh, some creative force or some creative genre comes along and it blows all that apart, whether it be music, whether it be a new style of music. At one point, it could have been rock and roll, it could have been grunge, it could have been uh, hip hop, um, it could be a new brand of art, it could be a new way of writing a new way of performing as is improvisation in the original Saturday Night Live, um, all of a sudden, something comes along that says, screw the freaking lines, man, screw them. Not only are we not going to think within the lines, we're going to point out how ludicrous the lines are. We're going to point out through our creativity, whether it's painting, whether it's music, whether it's performance, and in my case specifically, my passion, improv, we're going to point out and question what's within the lines. We're going to point out the absurdity of some of the things in the lines. And you know what? You're going to dance to it, and you're going to sing it, and you're going to sing it over, or you're going to enjoy the painting, or you're going to laugh at it. And then you're going to possibly start questioning if it really makes sense, if it really is the proper way to do things? Is the government really running in a way that makes sense? Or is, at times, are there a lot of foolish decisions being made? Because, you know, the government isn't a mystery. The government is run by human beings with agendas. And once you start pointing out that these human beings with agendas who've been able to operate, and that's right, operate within the boundaries of the lines, which is a lot of dirty dirty coloring going in in those lines, but to succeed for their individual, in many cases, and you start questioning that, hmm, huh, that's when you realize maybe I should vote differently. Maybe I should look at other options. We start looking at things like the operation of uh, huge, huge, you know. I was brought up Catholic. I still consider myself a practicing Catholic. And you're brought in, and uh, I love the faith, but I look at the, the politics and I look at the, the, uh, structure and how compressed um, the church is, in my case I would call it the church, and how alienating it is. And then we look at, oh my gosh, oh my God. Look what they covered up for the sake of what? They covered up for the sake of what? 
for the sake of an image, for the sake of protecting an image, for power. They kept it all within the lines. They kept that nasty little secret of sexual abuse. Where did it stay? It stayed right being between the lines, right in the beautifully colored, beautifully colored. All the rituals, all everything was in place, but you know, right behind all those was a dirty, 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 nasty little secret. But it was all within the lines because nobody wanted to color outside of the lines. Just like in politics, it's all in the lines because nobody wants to question outside of the lines. What if? Why do we even look? I don't look at things that way. I think one of my favorite TV personalities, David Letterman, and David Letterman started his show. He was a stand-up comic uh, during, the, during the heyday of stand-up comedy out in L.A., uh, the, the, the 70s, the early 70s, mid-70s, just this, this rush of stand-up comics out to L.A. to Mitzi Shore's place. David Letterman, Leno, uh, I think Richard Pryor was already big by then, but um, uh, Robin Williams, they were just all out there at the same time, you know, struggling at the same time. Well, Letterman, anyway, when he got his break on TV, he, um, Letterman was made fun of television, and he, ex he exaggerated broadcasting. He exaggerated the absurdities of the structure. Of he loved broadcasting, loved comedy, but he, he, he made fun of the industry and the absurdities of the industry by thinking, by doing it outside of the lines. Howard Stern. Howard Stern's probably the best interviewer of all time. You know, some people say, oh, Howard Stern. First of all, I think he's a little more mainstream. But Howard Stern, first of all, is an extremely intelligent man, extremely talented man, uh, courageous man, because he went his own, did his own thing outside of the lines, and just a fantastic interviewer. Probably one of the best interviewers of all time is Howard Stern. And if you've ever had a chance to hear him interview people, you'd really appreciate uh, the talent he has in, in that area. And... Uh, but Howard Stern became Howard Stern because he thought out of the lines. He didn't become some disc jockey who told you time and temperature and cracked some corny joke and played three songs and then a commercial. Uh, Howard Stern said, screw it, I'm going to be me, you know. Rock and roll, the original bands, and then what was after rock and roll, all, all out of the lines. You know, Stephen Jobs, Stephen Jobs, out of the lines. Microsoft, out of the line. All these things were created because they didn't stay within the parameters of coloring within the proper lines of the coloring book or, or whatever you color on now. I guess it would be the iPad. They all operated outside of the line. They took information. They took what they thought um, their passion and what was pertinent, but they never looked within the lines. They always were looking outside of the lines. But yet many places we want to still keep people in the lines. We want to identify them through a label or we want to tell them to behave and not to not to question too much. You know, there are appropriate questions, but don't question too much. And here's how we do things, you know. Uh, now, it was a long time ago that I went to high school, but the, the difference between high school and college to me was I, you know, high school to me was just boring. You know, high school you showed up, and I'm sure it's different now, but high school you showed up to class and they just threw information at you, just regurgitated information at you, no matter the class, math, science, whatever, they just, social studies, they just threw information at you in a 40-minute period, you know, every day. And then you went home and you did a little homework around the information that was given to you so you could regurgitate it back, you know, throw it up in some form, whether it be a paper or a test or just talking about it in class. Now, if you happen to be in class and you're daydreaming and you missed all that stuff that, that was being vomited all over you, you were screwed. Uh, but that was it. 
you know, they didn't teach you how to think. They didn't teach you how to reason. They didn't teach you really how to ask questions. And then when I got to college, uh, it was different because in college, uh, you were challenged to create and you were more challenged to think, think and solve, you know, think and solve problems. And I found that to be, and you were given information, but the information you were given was more how to find information that you needed to solve whatever it was, whether it was a paper on a topic or whether it was a project or whether it was some type of um, a case study. You were given the tools to go find the answers, but use your brain and use your mind and use your individuality to put a thumbprint on that, whatever it was going to be, and make it yours. And the only way you can make something yours is not to be conformed into what is already laid out in front of you. You, you. you start to think and you start to reason and you start to ask questions and, and all those things. And you start looking outside of those lines. I mean, what a disservice we do to ourselves and to our world when we don't constantly encourage these brilliant minds brilliant minds of our youth to constantly question and challenge and probe and expose, expose things that just aren't right. And, um, you know, that's what's going to, I mean, on a larger scale, if you're, if you're going to save the planet, for God's sake, save the planet. How are we going to, how are we going to save the planet? How are we going to save the planet? We got to think out of the box. How are we going to save the planet? Well, first of all, get your ass out of the box because everything that's occurring in the box is killing the freaking planet. So, uh, look outside of the planet, but all these, you know, these great opportunities to, to stimulate minds right now and to have these minds just, uh, take us like Star Trek to galaxies that we've never experienced or unknown or however Star Trek went. What do you think about that? William Shatner got his four minutes in space. Wow. Didn't even have to get beamed up Scotty. Four minutes in space for William Shatner. 90 years old. That's amazing. 90 years old. And that cat went up to space for four minutes. Four minutes in space. I can't imagine, you know, what what is, uh, it, it's got to be exciting to go up, you know, four minutes in space, I guess. You know, you're up there and you're back down. But I would think, you know, the real hairy part is, is taking off, shooting in a rocket up there, and then, and then coming back down and just praying to God that things not going to crash. But four minutes, you know, four minutes, four minutes, you know, uh, there's not a lot of things you can do and be satisfied or help satisfy someone in four minutes. Just not a lot. So I, I think, you know, four minutes. My God, four minutes. I, I know you're in space, but uh, I uh, I guess, I mean, millions of dollars somebody pays to go on that ride. I mean, you're on a ride. At, I think you're on a ride at Disney World for more than four minutes, maybe four minutes. I think the Pirates of the Caribbean is more than four minutes. I'm pretty sure rock and roll, rock and roller roller coaster's got to be at least. That's got to be at least two minutes. Rock and roller roller coaster. That's a, that's a hell of a ride. It's got to be two minutes. That's two minutes in space. I don't know how long it takes them to get up in space. I don't know if that's cumulative. If it's four minutes, it can't be four minutes total. It can't be four minutes from launch to landing. It's got to be. That's got to be at least ten minutes, fifteen minutes. You know, up. You're in space. You watch a pen float around. You look out the window and sh you're gone. Four minutes. You're back down. That's it. Four minutes. Four minutes. Think of what you do in four minutes. Four minutes time. Oh, wow. I'm only, I'm only running four minutes late. I'll be right there. Sorry, boss. I'm only four minutes late. I'm in space. I'm only four minutes. Oh, I'm sorry. 
I'm a little late. I will be there to get you guys picking up the kids. I'm only four minutes late. I'm in outer space, so I'll be there in about four minutes. Yeah. Dinner's going to be ready in four minutes once I return from outer space. Yeah, four minutes. We'll be back from, we'll be back from dinner in four minutes because I'll be returning from outer space in four minutes. But you know what? It's going to cost me a bazillion dollars to go on this road trip to outer space for four freaking minutes. I don't want to go to outer space. I, the only way I'm going to go to outer space, I have to orbit the Earth once. You're going to get me up there. I want to orbit. I want to orbit the damn planet. I don't want to go up there and go back down. I want to orbit the planet. I want to go to space. You know what I mean? If you're going to go up to space, I don't think it counts unless you orbit the planet. Now, I know uh, Alan Sherman, the first man to shoot into space, went up and down, up and down, broke the orbit. I don't know how long he was in space for. I think it was longer than four minutes. I think he went higher than these guys. John Glenn, the first man to orbit the Earth. You know, So Shepard had to do his thing to get us in space, up and down. That's what he did. He had to do it. And then Glenn orbited the planet, orbited the planet. That's the biggie. If you're going to go to space, and it's going to cost you a lot more than four minutes, you've got to orbit the planet. I guess the question is, is it thinking out of the box to go up for four minutes, is that really uh, innovative? You know, somebody's able to create a capsule that looks like a giant penis, and they put you on there, and they ejaculate you into space, and you come back in four minutes. Is that, uh, I don't know. Somebody's getting screwed. My God, how many metaphors can I, how many of those sexual metaphors can I put in one sentence about going to face? Is it, which one, who has a, I forgot which one has the, has the penis ship. One has the, I think it's a, Sir Richard has the airline and then a Jeff, Jeffrey B has the, uh, the dick ship, the penis ship. Yeah. Um, goes into space, comes back in four minutes. Let me tell you something. No one's going to like that. Coming back in four minutes isn't going to work. Anyway, thinking outside the box, where does this start? Just don't create a box. Don't create a box. The second you tell somebody they're in a box, they feel like you're boxed in. Do, what, what box? Don't even create a box. Free for all. Free for all. Let it loose. You know. I think you want people to be creative. Give them a mess of crayons and markers and a white piece of paper and just say color it. Color it. Color it. Then you have these brainstorming. There are no bad ideas. We're going to have a brainstorming session, and there are no bad ideas. What we're going to do is I'm going to put this flip chart up, and everybody is going to just burst out responses to this question is, how do we grow? And I just want you to throw the, these responses to me. I'm going to write them down. I'm going to circle. There are no bad answers. Here's a shock. There are a bazillion bad answers. When, when people do that, there's a ton of bad answers. matter of fact, most of them are bad answers. And you circle them and you have people feel good because you circle their bad answer. But 90% of those things are bad answers. You know what I mean? They're just bad answers. You know, how are we going to grow? Oh, we'll, we'll, I don't know, we'll, we'll hire more left-handed people. That way the ship will sail to the left. I hear the more creative. Great idea. There's a bad answer. The thing to do is, is to allow people to make mistakes. Allow people to loosen up a little. Let them make mistakes. You know, if an individual is allowed to make a mistake, they feel much more free to be creative. They feel much more free to give it a shot again. But if somebody's afraid of making a mistake, if somebody's operating out of fear, whether it be in the workplace or in any aspect of life, they're going to get rigid and they're going to 
shut down. They're going to stay within those boundaries because those boundaries then are safety. It's the turtle shell. The box is the shell of the tortoise. The shell of the tortoise is the box. And the box becomes the shell of the tortoise because we're not allowed to make mistakes. Now, granted, there are a bazillion professions professions where you just can't make a mistake once you get to that skill level. Like I, don't, I don't want a surgeon doing trial and error on me, and I certainly don't want an airline pilot doing trial and error on me, error on me, and I don't want an attorney if I need one to say, oh, you know, I'm sorry, I really should have presented that in the case, Tim, but, you know, maybe during the appeal process. Eh, I don't think so. But if individuals in organizations are allowed to make mistakes and they know they can make mistakes and they're not encouraged to make mistakes, but they know they can make mistakes, then um, then maybe just maybe you feel a little bit of that creativity. And they know also that they're supported in those mistakes. Uh, one of the things that occurs in improv is when you're on the stage, you know you're supported by the other actors on there. No one's going to, in a good, if you're in, if you're with talented people, talented actors on there on the stage, no one's going to hang you out to dry. No one's going to try to steal the focus. No one's going to shut you down. You're all going to move the scene forward and you have no idea where it's going to go. But you know because of who you're with, it's going to go somewhere, you know, because you got some parameters, not a box, you just got some parameters, supportive parameters. Now you take those methodologies and you apply them in just about anything in life, you know, acceptance, uh, supporting, listening, taking information and reacting to it, um, status and all that stuff. And then you got a pretty good shot at, um, not building a box or not coloring within the lines. But I think that it all starts and goes back to, I would, you know, I, I think the best thing, I think the best thing, and we, I have a framed picture of one of my son's uh, paintings from when he was in preschool, a finger painting. When he's, I love it. When finger school, uh, right outside the, the office slash studio here. And, you know, I think finger painting is so beautiful and so wonderful because you just put, you don't even have a brush. You just put these colors on your fingers and you just go on the canvas. And you can't do anything wrong. And you really can't do anything right except just do it. And it comes out really spectacular finger painting. I always thought there should be a finger painting exhibit. <clears throat> I thought it'd be great. Um, and I think in organizations and in life, maybe we have to learn to finger paint a little bit more. Maybe we have to finger paint our way through life. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm finger painting my way through this podcast. I hear Jungle Jim. This is Tim Marr. This is fail. Oh, this is failing up. Have a great, wonderful, wonderful end of October, and I'll be talking to you in November. Failing up. Take it away, Jungle Jim.